0: Did you ever want to toss one back with Kerouac Get a little smashed with Ogden Nash Start to read with Danielle Steele Slosh some gin with Anna Easton It's time to get lit-faced while you are Day drinking with Arthur
1: everybody. Stop scrolling. Nothing's changed since the last time you looked. Um, Spend a few minutes with us here at Day Drinking. Have a drink. Um, Today is a really fun day. I'm going to interview Roselle Lim, the author of Vanessa Yu's... uh, Sorry, I just got distracted. Something blinked on my computer. (laughs) I got distracted. I'm like a Hat. Uh, uh, Vanessa used magical Paris tea shop, which is a beautiful book. I'm going to tell you all the reasons why you should be reading this book, why you should pick it up. Um, but real quick, um, last week I was supposed to interview Lisa, Lisa K. Adams, her book Crazy Stupid Bromance. But last week was a lot. There was a lot going on, and we just couldn't do it. So we are going to reschedule that. You can look forward to that. Uh, also, later on tonight, not on Facebook Live, but as like a special for my podcast, um, I'm introducing or I'm uh, interviewing Christina Lauren, you know, New York Times bestselling author of In a Holiday's. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Uh, I will post the links for the for all of the podcasts, the updated podcast episodes. But you can find it. Um, Anywhere you listen to podcasts, so iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just search up day drinking with authors. <laughs> now to the main event. Uh, my author, my author interviewee today is Roselle Lim, again, author of Vanessa Yu's Magical Paris Tea Shop. This is her second book, and I cannot quite believe it. So let's let's welcome Roselle. Hey there. Hi. Hey, thanks so much for coming out to see me. I uh, I appreciate you taking the time with your super uh, professional setup. There, you're beating me.
0: <laughs> this is my dining room. So, <laughs> well, it's nice that uh, it's nice that your covers take center stage in your dining room. It is. They're actually on glass. So it's been printed on glass and they look really nice, like much better than I found with canvas. Cause the husband's like, I'm going to get your book covers done. Do you want canvas or should we try this something new? And we went with the glass.
1: Oh, they look great. They look great. Um, I I have a bunch of questions and I'm going to take a real quick segue to say, how excited were you when you got those covers? Did you just love them?
0: I was extreme. Like, the artist who did it is Vicky Chu and she did both both of my covers and I was just really excited that she got the book. And it's kind of a situation where it's an own voices cover artist. And yeah, she just really got the book and I'm super excited to see what she whips up for the third one to see how they, like, I've just been lucky with Berkeley. it's The covers are fantastic.
1: The um, Vanessa Yu's Magical Paris Tea Shop, what drew me to it, was the, the colors of the cover, which right for those of you watching, right behind your head, it's the kind of uh, teal with the blue It's French and, blue. Yep, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, hi, everybody who's coming by. Carrie uh, Brigda, I hope I said that right. Thanks for stopping by. Um, I've got a lot of questions for Roselle, but if you've read the book or you have your own questions, please feel free to post them. I'm getting pretty good at at paying attention. I get distracted when things flash now. <laughs> so, so um how have you been in quarantine? Are you are like have you been able to get work done or are you
0: doom scrolling or stress The, the, the doom scrolling happened during the elections, not mm-hmm. gonna lie. But on the whole I've been I've been okay. I really do miss like sitting in a coffee shop and writing because I get to eavesdrop and listen to other people and it was was, it's just one of those perks and having like a cup of coffee and like a pastry and being out because normally we all work usually in our house right i just i really miss that and i miss going out to get food (laughs) (laughs) because i live in a small town it's a small town where the only form of chinese food i have is like chinese canadian food which is like deep fried chicken balls and yeah, i kind of yeah. miss the other the other stuff
1: yeah well uh your book it's uh, um the saturday night live sketch with uh what's his name phil hater where he's talking about all the latest clubs in new york city this club has it all i want to say that about your book this book has it all <laughs> i mean it is exactly the book i I wanted and needed to read when I read it a few months ago. But um, it is the book you need right now, readers. It has beautiful magical realism. It is set in (laughs) Paris. Who doesn't need Paris right now? We all need a little Paris. The descriptions of food are, I mean, it is, you're hungry and you, and you do, I do miss food brought to me that I could not even dream of being able to prepare. So this was like a little tour of food I can't get right now. (laughs) It's absolutely delicious. And there's not one, not two, but three romances happening in this book. So it like, there is a lot happening that satisfies. It's kind of low conflict while still having lots of page turning conflict I, I absolutely love this book. The name of the book is Vanessa U's Magical Paris Tea Shop. Someone just asked. So, tell me, how did this book come to you? How did it? How did it? How was it created for you?
0: It cre- it was created basically. I told um, I was on a call with an editor and my agent, and this was when Natalie Tan was being acquired. We were fielding offers, and um, I mentioned I want. I've always wanted to go to Paris. I've never been, ever. And my agent and the editor suggested, go use some of your advance money and just go. And I finally went last August to Paris and I ate everything that I could eat. And I went to all of the spots that you see in the book. And unfortunately, having gone to Paris, once you've eaten the crepes and everything there, you come home and it's really hard to adjust to the standards (laughs) of like pastry and butter content and everything.
1: Yeah. Did you see that the video that went around a few weeks ago of the of the of the master butter maker in France where it's like this? He, he <laughs> It just went around. It was just this like 10 minute interview of this man whose entire life was making French butter. butter. You like oh. you're like, we don't know. We don't even know what we're <laughs> seeing
0: yeah the it's just it's like when we were walking around the streets of paris we were in the saint germain area and i was like a child hands right up against the glass staring in looking at all of the like the candy the pastries everything it's just it's yeah like i wished it was the first time i wished i was like a cow with four stomachs so i could eat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> more instead of just the one that I have because my problem has always been that my eyes are bigger than my appetite yeah. like I want to eat five different things right but yeah just the food was just spectacular and the chocolate and everything else well the
1: the setting was the setting was beautiful Um, w- one of the questions that I have though because there is this little element of of magic so your main character Vanessa um, uh, kind of kind of sees the future, right? She gets these little um, flashes of what's going to happen to other people kind of around her. And so you, you have that. And then you also have a sort of this magic around matchmaking and then you have sort of these beautiful moments of magic that happen in, in Paris. Um, How did, how did you, decide what was going to be magical or where to put the magic or did you have did you was magic everywhere and you had to take it out did you have to put in more like because it's such a beautiful thing but with too much it would be you know it'd be watered down I felt like it was just the right little you know the butterflies and all those things it was so well done
0: oh thank you um in the case of magic I had to think about like um what element fits into where the plot it's always about the plot and the character where, where would it be appropriate? And how can I repeat it? It's, it's stuff like that because with magical realism and fabulism, you're dealing with magic that people accept as ordinary. Yeah. You can walk by somebody who sees like this cluster of butterflies walking with a cluster of butterflies. And you're like, yeah, all right, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just going to keep walking. It's that kind of um, that kind of an attitude. And I wanted it to be like that kind of natural thing. And for her, clairvoy- uh, her, her, her clairvoyance, where she can see the future, I wanted it tied to food. So that certain tastes would bring about certain, would be linked to certain fortunes. Like if you're dealing with a divorce or somebody being divorced, you would taste that bitterness. Like what food is bitter? That would evoke that, yeah. That. yeah. Um, it's funny that you
1: said that. Like everybody, sort of takes it for granted. Like no, nobody's surprised when you know the the butterflies come and 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 she you know sort of tells the future. Um, and then so she is an aunt that in this like great relationship, Aunt Evelyn. This great like I was th- there was part of it that I was like this is like Yoda and Luke Skywalker, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> like, yeah. There is no, try, no, try, try not. Um, so, and she has these rules around, you know, their lives as clairvoyants. And it was so convincing. I was like, oh yeah, there. of course there are rules. <laughs> of course there would be rules. How did you come up with your rules?
0: Um, it's kind of just thinking about, thinking about the future and how we want to approach it. That we don't, like for me, I look at the future and I think it would be great Like if you're able to see it, I think that it's good, but it's also better that what you see can change depending on that person, whether they want to take action or not. That's the thing that I really like about that. And the thing with Evelyn and Vanessa is that they're foils of each other, as in uh, Evelyn lives that life where she's mastered it and she's accepted and never questioned it. And Vanessa's like, I don't want this. I don't want to master it. Why do I? So they're complete opposites. And I wanted to showcase a feminine relationship that isn't mother, daughter, or sister sister relationships. Like an aunt and a niece dynamic.
1: Yeah, and there was one point in the book that I was like, oh, you know, actually the romance here, and there are a lot of romances, but the romance is actually between this niece and aunt you know they've got to they've got to come to a place where they're um, they're not. I mean, they have these beautiful moments of tension, and and the fights were so realistic. Um, you know the things that they would say when when kind of backed into a corner um, that seemed exactly what people would say in that situation. And I thought that that relationship was was really beautifully done. On top of there being like a whole bunch of other ants. <laughs> Like you you have the anti-culture down. What how, did you pull that from your life? How many ants do you have? And are they really so meddlesome and and they're, they're
0: yeah, they're all nosy. Yeah. On the whole, they are all nosy and opinionated that I know that if I they they have opinions. They all have they all have opinions. And it's just it's it's having this it's having this feeling where you love them so much, but you don't know whether you want to hug them or strangle them. Like, cause you know, they would defend you to the death and they would like, you know, they would do that, but they would also criticize and criticize and nitpick. It's that same kind of thing, but you can't, it's like, like Vanessa's relationship with Evelyn, like the aunt that she dealt with the most is kind of combative, but you can't deny that they love each other. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that they're disagreeing. Yeah. And
1: there's that beautiful twist with, with Vanessa where, you know, she, she made a decision a long time ago to choose her family over everything else. And then because she kind of made this choice proceeded to kind of keep her family at arm's length, which was this beautiful push pull and, and mystery around her. I thought that was, that was beautiful.
0: I kind of, I pictured both of them. I've always wanted something very like would. With- Evelyn and Gerard I wanted something so romantic like that long like that slow burn thing of like a love lost and that's what I wanted to capture because I'm like yes they're older but like that doesn't mean that all the romance is only like for young people or 20 somethings or whatever but you can have romance this grand wonderful breathtaking romance later in your life and that's perfectly great and it should be celebrated
1: yeah, the big grand gesture of romance too. Like it's really yeah. it's really good. Um so in the book the the um the food takes center stage and as a person who like I I write romance um and and whatever like you're describing a kiss or something like that while I'm writing I'm often like blah 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 kiss. And I was wondering like did you like did you have to go back through and re put in like re Descriptions of food were you ever like yada 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 food <laughs> yada yada cookie <laughs> like was it because it I mean it was extensive the the descriptions of food I mean they were fully immersive I mean I, I, I thought that that had to be challenging
0: Um I'm weird I don't do mad libs when I'm drafting like I know a lot of people they draft so much faster when you have like blank like insert description of tea shop here. Right. I can't. I just I have to go, everything has to be laid down as best as I can. The way that I draft is just I write it and then I'll look it over, read it over, see if I'm missing anything, make sure that the chapter is how I want it before I move on to the next one. Oh. And it takes me longer to draft a novel than it does to revise it, because I guess I'm putting that work, because I know it's basically a balance, because you could draft really quickly, but you spend more time revising, right? Yeah. So uh, before we, I, I went live,
1: everybody, uh, we were, and I were talking, and you're actually kind of in the process of trying to change your process. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, something here isn't working. I've got it. So what are you doing now? Like, how, what are you doing now? In um, terms of getting work done? You don't have to tell us what the project is, just what the work is happening.
0: It's just, it's being more thorough, like writing a three-act synopsis and before that writing extensive character bios. Because one of the things that I've learned, like I've been reading a lot of craft books, I just want to be more efficient when I'm drafting. I want a better draft, but I also want to do it, try to get it and produce maybe a one and a half draft, 1.5 draft instead of like, you know, garbage first draft and then go back and and edit it so all of this planning is just making sure all of the scenes hit at the right place making sure that all of even when I'm drafting I have a bullet journal that writes down the chapter what characters are in there what subplots are in there so that when I go back and I look at the word count and everything in the breakdown I know if I find a problem which chapters they are yeah nice smart
1: yeah, I, I feel like I've, my process has changed so much. And, I've, and I'm now at the point where I'm like, it, you know, there are all these like writing exercises where, you know, take your character to the grocery store. And what do, they, what do they buy when they go to the grocery store? Or, you know, your character writes a letter to somebody, you know, so all these little character nudges. And I feel like if I can nail the character, then I just want to dive in. And it inevitably, like I get to 75% done with the manuscript and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I fully appreciate you uh you doing the work beforehand.
0: I know 75% is where I look at it and I go, despair. There's for me, it's always 25%. I start doubting myself of what I'm doing because it's mm-hmm. actually starting the shape. 50%, 60%, I get into a bit of a slump going, Oh my god, it's never gonna end, I'm never gonna finish this thing.
1: 75,000 words still
0: it is i take i take a break of maybe a week i have to like at around the 60 percent mark just to get over the blues of the or Word. let my brain think and then i keep going forward that's smart
1: um one of the things that sort of happens about halfway through the book um with uh evelyn and vanessa is so Evelyn, the aunt, has opened up this tea shop, and she's loved tea. And the descriptions of the tea are outrageous. I can't believe that this tea shop wouldn't be a huge success. But then the tea shop is targeted um, in this sort of uh, anti-Asian racist uh, campaign that's that's uh, um, kind of couched in this nationalist language, and I like it was completely timely. It was absolutely fascinating. And one of the things that I thought was the most fascinating about it was that your aunt, the aunt, who's older, didn't see it as racist right away. That your that your young Vanessa had to be like, hey, you know, this is racist. And I thought, what a like, what an interesting way of looking at what we're talking about or looking at what's happening through the eyes of two different generations.
0: I think it's because it's the same thing that I see with my parents. That they think that it's, this is just the way it is. People are just whatever. But when you're younger, I find that it's, it's all about what you're reading and what you're consuming and just educating yourself. What is a microaggression? What isn't a microaggression? Like in her in Vanessa's case, like, I think it's just that, like, you just learn to identify what is and isn't acceptable to you. Where in, you know, like my parents would just accept what's happening to them. And just go, okay, well, this is what, this is what's going on. It's not fair. It sucks, but we're just going to get through it. And I find that the younger generations are all, it's not fair. This sucks. No, it's not acceptable. What can I do to change it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I thought that was a really um, fascinating look at, at the generational reality of, of perspective, really. About that. Like it was and, and it was it, it it added a great conflict to both of them going through um, your first book, Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune. So I, I did a little stalking earlier. You you sold it or you got it to your agent. You got your agent through a Twitter.
0: Yes. DV pit. Yes. Well, by Beth Bealem. Explain that to people who might not know what that is. DV Pit is a Twitter pitch um, contest, basically, that is that has been created by Beth Phelan. And what you do is you pitch your novel and it's for marginalized creators. And, yeah, I decided to participate in the first one that morning. I wasn't going to, but I, I figured why not? And it comes at the heels of me parting with my previous agent. And I thought, okay, since I'm going to be in the querying trenches anyway, might as well try it. And you pitch your novel with the hashtags. And I got a lot of rights, likes and a ton of full requests. And by the end of it, I cho- like Jenny Bent has been my dream agent since I started querying. And when she, like, when she offered, she was the first one to offer. And I was like, okay, like I, but you do the, the thing is that like she's like, um, I'm making you an offer she's very honest about it there's a lot we have to fix which was true the state that it was in there was a lot of revisions that needed to be done and on the call she's like I want to be the first person to talk to you and the last person to talk to you after you're done so after Ooh, the week nice. That's a nice so <laughs> after the week is done like I spoke to her and it was just yeah She's she's fantastic, like absolutely fantastic.
1: So for those of you who might not know, you have to you have to like it's an elevator pitch. So it's like so do you remember what your elevator pitch was for Natalie Tan's
0: book of Lo- Like, do you remember what the line was? Chocola. Chocola meets Amelie when a chef reclaims her grandmother's restaurant. Nice. So Something then like
1: that. But, so that but then agents like it if they want Mm -hmm. want to see it and they contact anyway it's 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 amazing so that's so exciting and so can you tell us I mean I I know you've got a lot going on what's what's coming out next for you what are the next few things you've, you've got happening
0: just for now Sophie is coming out in spring 2022 and it is the title is Sophie Goes Lonely Hearts Club Sophie has gone through ma- uh, matchmaking school and has come back home to Toronto. The setting is Toronto for this one. And in order oh, to save her it. in order to save her reputation, she has to match seven old grumpy bachelors. And they're all in their 70s.:
1: That's fantastic. And is that that book is done? It's put away it any- is
0: i'm still revising it i haven't given it back to my editor yet it's due like early next year but i have like my i have somebody looking through it like line editing it just to make sure that it's really clean by the time my agent and my editor no, that's read funny. it the cutest thing is that they both kind of buddy read the book which is really cute so they'll so their notes are like cohesive right so right yeah
1: oh that's fantastic well it sounds like you've been able to get some work done in quarantine like there I find that there are two kinds of authors right now the ones that can't get anything done and ones that are able to actually get some work done
0: yeah I it's work for me as Sandy I have anxiety and I have depression so being idle is not good yeah mentally for me so it's it's that I got to keep busy I can't like being idle means ruminating, and ruminating is just will start the spiral of everything else. So, yeah, just I keep working. Either I, I've been working on the book, I've been doing some embroidery work, I've been doing um, playing video games. It's Netflix. The last thing that I watched on Netflix that was sorry, not Netflix, but um, Apple TV that I really loved that I would recommend to everybody is Ted Lasso. I just finished it too. Isn't it so good? Oh my gosh.
1: You know, it takes a few episodes before you're like,
0: I know, but it's so cute. It's so like
1: hopeful and like hard. Yeah. It's the, like, it's the power of unrelenting optimism you yeah. know like it not not foolish right like he he kind of seems like a fool at the beginning but then you know you sort of start to yeah. realize that no he knows what he's doing he knows how he sounds like he's made a choice to be a ray of sunlight yeah.
0: which is like
1: you know revolutionary right now it's so yeah i totally agree that's yeah, it's such
0: mentioned. a it's such a good one like i was surprised, and i'm happy that they've renewed it so yeah,
1: yeah. My, uh, my son and I, uh, so my oldest is in high school. And so he's got that like half day on half day off home all day. Like he's kind of here and there. And, um, he and I have started to play chess at, and like, oh. like seriously, like we're, we're very serious chess players. We now <laughs> we play chess and we listen to classical music. I don't know who we think we are. <laughs> this is what we're doing. So we watched the queen's gambit. I haven't
0: seen that yet. I've heard many good things about it. The costumes and like the
1: wallpaper of the you know 1950s, 1960s, 70s, you know, Las Vegas and Buenos Aires, like it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Anyway, that's another good one. That's another good one. When you, uh, when you, when you need some help, some inspiration. Um, Roselle, I really, really appreciate you stopping by and I loved your book. I really encourage everybody to pick it up. It is, and I'm not kidding. Like the world is hard right now. And this is a, a delicious little pastel cloud of delight. <laughs> like It's just, it is, you, you know, it's, it's, it's so comforting. It's a really lovely read. And you get to, it's like, you get to go to Paris. So what's not to love? So thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you. And guys, uh, stay home if you can, wear a mask, wash your hands, have a drink and read a book. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Bye. Thank you for having.